Hi, I'm Carol Sanford, the host of the Responsible Entrepreneur Podcast, where we teach businesses to build great businesses while they also change the course of history. Today, I want to talk with you about a subject I hear people uh, postulating and playing with ideas about a lot, and I think not so well. It's the idea of business models. Of course, most people think of a business model as how we make money. Um, I want to offer you the idea that there are actually eight classes of business models, which can help you sort and build what works. And they can become eight phases because you can actually build, they're each increasingly complex. They each have a different offering, a different value, and provide a different option. I want to lay those out for you and help you see that you actually can move along the complexity of them and add more to your business model. But let's start with defining what a business model is. In a traditional sense, it's usually the rationale for how an organization creates, delivers, and then captures value from what they do. I describe what a responsible business model is, is it is how a business creates life-giving offerings, delivers value-adding effects into the lives of people, and then gains reciprocity for continuing to contribute. So you can see there's a higher demand there. All of these can be true for the eight phases I'm going to give you can be true for a traditional business model or for a responsible business model. But let's, let's jump right in. So the first business model class might be called show me everything. Now, what I mean by that is someone like Amazon, who you get online and you pretty much can find everything there is around a subject, a topic or material you want. Google has a phase of doing that also for information, and warehouses all over the world do that. The primary value that you get from this class of business model is access. It's not a very sophisticated uh, sorting necessarily, or it may give you some sophisticated sorting. But it also primarily brings you all the ingredients and maybe the originating items from where you can pick and choose and you're required to do all the research, all the discerning, and use them only in a sourcing way. The second class of business model might be called the show me the best fit option. In other words, I don't want all of that access. I don't want everything that I could possibly choose. I want some way for it to be aggregated. Often, as Amazon did, who was a great example of the first one, moved from show me everything to now you get, can get a recommendation page and in fact regularly will and it's very well suited to you. So show me the best option shows up when people can change kind of and they introduce a sophisticated algorithm or they introduce a person. So multi-level marketing tends to be based on this, where someone does the thinking, the research, and then brings best fit options to different clients. Pandora allows you to do that in regard to music. You can decide what you want to listen to by showing them something you like, and then they do the search for you. So show me the best fit is an option. Uh, it also has a different kind of value. The value that it brings, in addition to just access, is it eliminates the non-essential so that what doesn't fit you will tend to not show up. Now, as I said, Amazon has moved so that it's including both of these, and you'll notice this as we go along in all eight classes, that there is the potential of it being a class or being at a phase in the work that you're doing. 
Now, the third kind of business model where you can complete your transactions and discover you know, how it is you can create, deliver, and capture value, but to do that in a way that it's more life-giving, that it's more value-adding, and that you get the reciprocity back, uh, might be called the show me the coordinated set. You know, how it all fits together. It's kind of like a Heathkit model, which uh, existed a long time ago. This is where a business model that is more like retail, where they mix and match things for you. So you can walk into a section of a store and you'll see things put together in a set. Uh, kits are often uh, fit into this case. And then contract manufacturers can do something for you so that what they're doing is putting together a whole of what you need and making sure that it comes to you more as a set of everything that you need is there. Spotify stepped up the basis from which Pandora worked in order to create this. Now, what is the key value of the show me the coordinated set? Well, it gives you a unique match that's inclusive. It doesn't leave out things. Uh, and it comes with a bit more credibility because someone has not only sorted as in the show me the best fit option, but they have also put together multiples that seem to work together and may help build for you quickly what you need. The fourth phase or class, depending on how much of it you're taking on, is give it to me assembled. So now if you're looking at show me the coordinated set, you get all the parts, you know that it's all there, but you have to do the work to put it together. So an example of this would be a boutique that you go into. Boutiques often have, for women anyway, everything accessorized, all of the matching jackets that you might need, and it comes all put together. Of course, there's furniture that comes that way, as well as furniture that it's in a box from Ikea, which is more of the show me the coordinated set piece. There are many different plays on this within the razor and blade market, including the new one where you buy a monthly uh, subscription to everything arriving all together, take it out of the box. You don't even have to snap on a new set of blades. Uh, memberships often provide this. You become a member in a club, you can get a trainer, you can get it all in one place. It's all put together, you just sign up. Now, what's the difference in value here? Well, it's working ready. I mean, you just go to work, you use it, you don't have to ask any questions. It's very uh, encompassing. Where the previous one was inclusive, this one is encompassing in that all of the parts have been tested and you know that they will work. So, so far we have the show me everything. We have the uh, show me the best fit where we separate out from the show me everything. We have show me now the set of those best fit and we have give it to me assembled. The fifth, class is put a bow on it. I like that one, where you get special delivery or special handling. They add insurance to it for you. They give some kind of extra protection. If you think about the automobile industry with all the options that you could add on, this one is making sure that you have the previous four uh, classes all completed, which you do have to do when you get to the put the bow on it for sure. But they also say, but you also can get this upgraded radio, you can get special tires, you can get a different kind of interior. It's usually a very full service model. It often has integrated systems, which are very hard to pull apart, like Apple with iTunes and iPod, where it's all put together with a bow on it. Now, what's the value here that's different? Well, it's working for an uninterrupted life. You don't have to do anything except pick it up and 
get all of the not only assembled pieces, but you get the special things that you wanted, the things that actually make for more loyal customers because they become identified with their own choices, which are in that, and the business model is much stronger. All right, let's go to number six. That one is, don't explain it, just do it for me. <laughs> so in the previous one, put a bow on it. I'm very excited, it's mine, I feel competent, I can take off and do it. But when you get to the don't explain it, just do it, we're now talking about things like apps that are built into a platform. They allow us to make almost instant decisions. And then sometimes we can program so that they are reminding with certain kinds of calendars how it is we need to move and when. And we don't even have to have anybody tell us how it works. In fact, I find myself in this case saying, I don't get this, but I can use it if it's already assembled and it does the work itself. Now, what's the key value here? The key value here is invisible functioning. There are some new businesses like salesforce.com that set out to do this. So it's just naturally embedded. You didn't have to do a lot of training of your front desk or your customer service people. You just filled in the blanks and the work was done for you. The aggregation was done for you, the sorting. There are programs like eLife, which have a similar intention. All right, so that was number six. Let's look at seven. Now what we've done is we've got a complete product. We have got the thing put together. We have got all the work being done for us. What in the world could you add to that for an additional part of the business model? I call this, how can it up value over time? So an example here is I buy it, I've got everything, but I earn points for having done that. <clears throat> Maybe I'm a frequent traveler. I'm a part of a loyalty program. Although I have to admit most of those backfire because people really don't understand that it is really more about giving people up value rather than trying to buy them because they may stay with you, but they may not love you. Seventh generation did this when they stepped into taking responsibility for the full life cycle of a product and they made everything transparent. That is a greater value than actually the product itself could give. You are considered reinvesting for the future. Uh, Yertle, who does helping people share products within a community, means that not only do I have the product and how it works, but I make sure that it's supporting a larger community. Tom Shoes does this with giving a pair of shoes to, for everyone you buy. What's the key value? I call it wealth building for all of life, for everyone they can think of that they touch. Number eight, let me be embedded option. Now, what does that mean? It's more of a way of viewing that I am a part of something greater. It is the example of people say, I'm gonna keep creating new products, and in each case, they're gonna be less extractive, they're gonna replace what's in the marketplace, they're going to be uh, a, a, an improvement of the system itself, so that over time, whatever it is that I am buying and be a part of, I know overtly and explicitly is improving the system that I live in. The key value that comes to bear here is caring. Caring is something that gets lost often when we're doing a lot of counting, which people do with products and people do with sustainability programs. The let me be embedded option, although that's kind of a funny name for it, really does evoke caring over counting. Now, if you think about these eight, they each one are actually building on the one before. And people who go all the way out to number eight have to always do all of the previous things or make sure that they are taken care of in some way. 
Today, you're going to hear an interview with two guys I met in Amsterdam who are doing an amazing job creating the kind of hotel I want to live in when I travel, especially if I have to stay a long time. Um, what they're going to talk to you about uh, explicitly is the business model that they think through, and I want you to look at it and send me a note about where you think they are. For me, they are as far along in my business models as most businesses go, at least all the way through. Give it to me already complete. I want it integrated into my life and it being done for me. So hope you enjoy it. Welcome. I am so excited to have the two of you with me today so that it can be said the way you want it said. Would you each introduce yourselves and tell us what your business is? Um, hi, my name is Mark Jongerius, um, uh, co-founder of Zoku, uh, Zoku Amsterdam. We created a new um, apart hotel concept. Hi, my name is uh, Hans Meijer. And uh, like Mark, uh, we are in the uh, uh, hospitality business, creating a new place where people can live and work for uh, longer periods. Well, as Hans knows, when I was there and had an opportunity to go through uh, the, the process of the build out, mostly I got very excited about hearing this story because it to me, I live in hotels right around the world and some of them a very long time. So what I wanted to do, and, and uh, maybe Hans, you start in this time and Mark can add to it, but tell us about this new venture and particularly focus on what's unique and why you chose to do that. Well, Zoku is an, um, is an entire new category. It's a hybrid between a home and an office, uh, topped with hotel services and the social buzz of a thriving neighborhood. And it's uh, geared towards people who need to live in a work in a city between five days and three months. And the idea basically came from that uh, what we see is that, uh, well, globalization is going faster and faster. Talent is getting more mobile and, uh, and flexible. Uh, and there are more and more people working outwards the traditional employment uh, ship. And we think where people are getting more and more international, they also need a place where they can live and work for longer periods. And what we saw that the current offerings in the industry are basically a double-sized hotel room with a microwave. We thought there are very, there's a very interesting opportunity if we can create an entire new product around this target audience, which we call the global nomads. Great. Mark, what do you think is really unique about this? What would you add? Uh, what I would add, Carol, is that um, uh, um, uh, in the current offering, um, uh, for people who stay longer abroad in a different city, um, the current alternatives are basically to stay in a hotel or a regular apartment. And in the apartment industry, you have uh, uh, corporate housing service departments. But, um, I mean, every uh, uh, solution that is out there at the moment lacks the social structure. And that is something that Zoku offers. And uh, so next to the Zoku, um, uh, 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 to the social structure, we offer a very cleverly designed Zoku loft. So you have everything that you uh, need to live, to work and to play in just 25 square meters. And that is a true uh, competitive advantage that Zoku has above the others. One of the things that really excited me was going up on the the. I don't remember whether we were on the roof or the top floor, but talking about the potential of that as a gathering place and a communing. And uh, I'd like for you to describe what that was, how you see it serving in this larger context. And I don't know who's best at that, Mark or Hans? Hans. 
the thing is, is the, the, the Zoku lot, which uh, Mark just explained, is your private area. But at the same time, we think that it's uh, crucial for these kind of concepts, especially when you stay for longer periods away from home, that to avoid feeling disconnected, it's very good that people actually can meet each other and uh, share ideas, but also share bread, cheese and wine. So also very a social place. So we created social spaces on top of the roof where people are welcomed, where there's a bar, where there's a living room, where there's a library, uh, but also where there's a living kitchen. So you can cook in your own apartment, but you can also join dinner and uh, share a meal together on the top floor. And we also have some co-working spaces. So everything within these social spaces has been designed to create effortless connections between people and also the people who work with us, we call them sidekicks, are very much focused on bringing people together and also uh, together with the context where they stay. So it doesn't take them three months to learn to know the city a little bit, but after two days, you already know a little bit your way around because our people are very proactive in helping you finding your way and get comfortable. Let me ask you a question about the kind of thinking you put into creating this concept. Many of my listeners are involved in the world of sustainability or responsibility, and they also travel a lot, though. And I know you are mindful about a broader context that, as you've been designing. So you're thinking about the people who are there. But this is a beautiful old building. I mean, you've done some very interesting things there. Could you speak to that also? Yeah, I mean, first of all, um, um, uh, 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 with regard to sustainability, uh, converting an existing building obviously is far better than creating a new one. And uh, secondly, what Zoku truly stands for is um, uh, is the following. I mean, the world doesn't need more stuff, but it needs smarter solutions. And therefore, at Zoku, we truly believe that you have to 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 use these cars assets that we have very efficiently. Um, so every squ square meter in the Zoku uh, uh, in Zoku is designed in a way that it is multifunctional. So there's basically no square meter, neither in the public areas nor in the private areas, that is not being used two or three times. And for us, that is truly sustainable. The uh, other thing which maybe, Mark, you want to add back to this, um, the aesthetic of this. I mean, I'm, we are used to seeing now people increasingly trying to do sustainable uses, multiple uses, but the aesthetic that you put into this, and I'd, I'd like to not just have you describe it, but how how that came into being a part of the design, part of the idea, part of the concept has to do with what it feels like to live in there. Just having sat in that one unit with you, um, I, I couldn't even figure out how all of that could have happened and particularly how it could then also be so beautiful. Can you talk about that aesthetic side of it? Mm, maybe Hans, that's the best one for you. Eh? Uh, well, first of all, if you look to uh, the traditional world, is that if you go to a hotel room, the bed is always the most dominant piece of furniture uh, mm -hmm. in the in the space. And that really prevents you from inviting people for a social gathering or even a meeting into your room. So nobody actually does it. And it also doesn't remind you from home. So what our intention was to really create uh, some, a place that would feel like a home instead of a traditional hotel room. So where in a traditional hotel room, the bed is the most dominant piece of furniture. In the Zoku loft, the kitchen table is paramount. That's the place where you have a cappuccino in the morning. Well, we sat together and had a meeting together in the Zoku loft. And even during the night times, you can invite a few people 
before dinner. And because we use the analogy of a home so much, uh, it worked out from a design point of view very interesting. Well, when we were testing it with a target audience, 90% of the people, the first reaction, they said, this feels like a home instead of a hotel room. That's one. And the second thing, we make it possible that people actually can personalize the space. So, for example, we got an, 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 an art gallery in the corridors. And if you just would like to change the art in your uh, Zokolov, you can just do it. And by adding these small components, this feel like, uh, feels like a... A, a, a very warm place instead of an, an anonymous hotel room where I, uh, all the interior is just a given. People are going to want me to ask you how you relate to the booming concept of the Airbnb. Uh, I mean, I obviously can see many, many contrasts, but speaking of competitive and dynamics changes, how do you relate to the Airbnb phenomena? What we like about Airbnb is that uh, uh, a lot of unused space in the world, in terms of apartments or homes, are being used for people to take advantage of. And that is what we like about Airbnb. Uh, we also see that a lot of people have, an, um, have a mindset like that, and they want to test other stuff. They don't want to be in the same hotel room. Um, and uh, uh, how we set us apart from Airbnb is, again, the social structure. Because, I mean, um, uh, if you stay for a month in an Airbnb, um, um, it, it, it could happen that you end up with the owner of the apartment and you stay with him every night uh, 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 and have uh, conversations, etc. But, I mean, it's not very likely that in that apartment that you will meet other people or that you get uh, uh, inspired by sessions or, or what have you. And that is something that we at Zoku will actively do. There are many beautiful old buildings in Amsterdam. I mean, it's an old city. It has so much history. But the one you chose also had a kind of a location that allowed you to feel like you were part of the heartbeat yeah. of Amsterdam. And I'm wondering how much you looked for and thought about the placement and the choice of the building you are restoring. Um, in the end, I mean, w when you look with the eyes of the target audience, you want to be in the city center. You want to get the inner city uh, 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 context feeling. And um, you want to be on a place that is good connected uh, uh, within walking distance uh, 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 from the city center, from, from entertainment, for example, from, from some leisure activities and well connected to business district. Um, uh, Hans and myself have looked in Amsterdam at various nice old buildings, um, but um, in the end we've chosen this one because of the location, because of the proximity to public uh, transport, because of proximity to the uh, city center, uh, and because of the heartbeat as you described it. Um, also, uh, uh, and, and, and that's more from an economical perspective, also the uh, building, the, 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 the layout of the building, the structure, the grid sizes, etc. they need to fit uh, and, and, and make it efficient to convert it. Because in the end, it's also that the numbers need to uh, uh, work. You might say that we've been uh, describing kind of the business model you chose about how to um, put pe give people a place to stay for extended period of time. In other words, you know, we've been looking at kind of the transactional nature. I'm wondering if there are any other unique things about how you went about creating the design, like working with architects or working with designers or how you did financing or maybe even how you did construction, like kind of behind the scenes that feeds it. Is there anything that you 
felt like that you were doing that was different uh, in those kind of areas? Yeah, I think if you, for example, look um, in the traditional hotel industry, uh, I mean, where I've been working as well, is that basically hotels are designed by architects. And architects, they take an envelope and a floor plan as a starting point. And after they've, uh, well, this has been designed, they give it to a hotel operator and he has to put uh, his or her hotel uh, in, in this place. Now, what we did, we reversed the process. So we didn't start with drawing. We started with a customer. We did extensive interviewing. We interviewed 150 people from the target audience, so the people who worked for Microsoft in 35 different countries over the last five years. We talked to HR managers, mobility managers, uh, uh, expert managers, and after that, we lived as global nomads ourselves. So I rented an apartment in Buenos Aires for two months, two months to Washington, D.C., two months to Bali, to really step out of our own shoes and to step into the shoes of a, a target audience. And after that, we created an entire customer experience from the earliest moment that somebody has the idea to come to Amsterdam to live and work until he has left the country. And we created an entire storyline around that with also a lot of visual material. So that was basically the fundament of the concept. And only then we went to uh, designers to make a design. That's one. The second thing is that um, the, the crowd, uh, the, our future target audience, has been very intensively uh, uh, been working with us over the last few years to actually come to the point where we are. So instead of just a small group of designers, we invited all those people from the target audience, for example, 200 people have evaluated our different prototypes to help us to make the project even better and to to make it even more fit to their wishes and desires. And we even use techniques like that, like mobile EEG scanning techniques to actually uh, finalize uh, uh, the product. So first, uh, 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 case-centric design. Secondly, using uh, uh, and, and, and asking for help from the crowds. And last but not least, we always try to invent a new business model in a way that we are going to create more value for our target audience, but at the same time also at less cost. And, and maybe if I can add to, to that, uh, Carol, um, uh, with regard to the construction process, this is still pretty traditional how we do it. The, uh, the, the way we did financing, I mean, it, it, it was good that we, uh, to mention that we started the uh, development of Zoku prior to the crisis, and that during the crisis we had to uh, uh, present the business case, defend it to banks and inv investors, eh? so that was all done very uh, successfully. Um, but it's interesting also to see, uh, uh, I mean, we started in Amsterdam, but we have our ambition to roll out internationally. And that is also where we will do it a little bit different. We are working uh, on a plan at the moment to also engage the crowd to help us source new locations. And we're working on a schedule at, the, at this moment, so hopefully we can reveal it in a few months from now, but this is something that we're working on now. I always have the question, that is um, about the philosophy of running a business, because I have often seen people who have really great intentions toward great products that are better than other products on the market, that are more sustainable, more responsible. And then they come back inside, and what they do is use command and control, very old world structures about how they deal with employees, how they deal with suppliers, and even how they deal with the community. 
uh, I got hints of this listening to Hans when I was there. Uh, and it may be too early for you to say much, but it would be interesting just to hear what is your philosophy about how you run a business? Because pretty soon you're going to have one to run. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And uh, it is my experience, Carol, from all the businesses that we invested in in uh, in, in past, is that I mean, um, uh, you have to stay true to what you say that you you do, uh, because the world has has become more and more transparent. And in the end, people will find out if you say that you're doing it one way and you're doing it the other way. Um, so that it, uh, accounts for all the businesses. And especially in the hotel industry, with all the trip advisors and the the the, uh, the people coming and staying at your place, I mean, it is transparent. So what we truly believe is that just do what you say that you do, and then in the end, it will work out. Hans, what would you add to that? First of all, uh, if you, um, uh, I think it should be part of your entire business philosophy how you're going to approach things. And so, for example, people ask us, what are we doing about sustainability? And we actually don't put a lot of emphasis on, on that because we think it's just part of business uh, of normal business practice. So we, we're not going to brag about it. That's one. Secondly, for example, if you uh, um, we are an incredibly flat uh, company, that means almost our organigram is, is almost a flat line. And that means we work with very young people also from the uh, from our target audience. I mean, our target audience are millennials. So 80% of the people who work with us are millennials. We think that female uh, factors are getting more and more important. So we uh, more than half of the people in the design team uh, were actually uh, women. And the way we also uh, uh, work together with with our, our colleagues is that uh, uh, we work in kind of self-steering teams where people get a kind of, uh, uh, we, we agree, certain uh, deliverables, and then uh, they can just uh, 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 deliver uh, in a way they uh, they like uh, on, until the deliverables are, are there. So we are very much supporters as, as leaders instead of the traditional roles where you have 15 layers in hotels, which is still quite common. Uh, we uh, have reversed the process. I mean, the guests are on the top of our lines, and uh, Mark and I are a little bit uh, below there. Founding a company is a treacherous process. Uh, there are, you know, they say there are 100,000 ideas for anyone that comes into existence. So I'm interested how this came, how you two came together. You know, what was it that built the idea and a little bit about the staging and any advice you could give at this stage to people who are, um, trying to form an idea and partner, particularly partner with other people to do it. Mark, would you like to uh, touch on that? Um, yes, of course. Um, in the end, if you have an idea, I would say just go, go for it, go and explore it and uh, test your idea with people who you think are your target uh, audience. Make sure that you, 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 you use people around you, eh? Uh, to test it um, and validate uh, validate it. What we did from the start, Hans and myself, we validated almost everything that we did. And not only just uh, 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 kind of technical or economic uh, uh, economical decisions, but also design decisions. 
we made a lot of um, uh, scale models of the uh, of the end product, and we invited people in to hear their thoughts. And we always said on on, on night that we invite five uh, or six people from the target audience. We just said, just tell us whatever comes up, and uh, we will write it down, and we will ask you later. And that really helps. And it validates your whole process. And I know, I mean, uh, uh, setting up a new uh, hotel chain takes a lot of time. We've uh, we've spent more than five years in de developing it. But all those different stages help you uh, getting closer to the uh, to the end goal. I think for um, I think what you also referred to, uh, a team is essential for a successful venture. And uh, I think uh, Mark and I are very uh, are very uh, lucky that we both bring different competences uh, to uh, to the table and um, um, it, it, and also when we were looking for the rest of the people within our team is that we're not only looking to people we think would be fitting good on, an, uh, on, an, on a working relationship but also on a competence level and at the end of the day it's basically a, it's, a, it's a team effort and if you have the best people uh, and you were able to bring them together and you can create a surrounding that people are able to get the best out of themselves, then I think you, uh, you you come to a very, very interesting point. And at the end of the day, like you say, 100,000 ideas, one venture, it's still a lot of work and a lot of persistence to uh, continue uh, to work on your idea and actually make it happen. And I mean, our project is not an exception from that. So I only have one last question, and it is... Basically, people are going to get excited when they hear what you're doing. They're going to want to know more. So tell us what the best way is, uh, and we'll make sure that's a part of the podcast, and we'll put a clip below that tells people how can they find out more about who you are and get signed up to track as you move along. I think the best thing would be uh, would be to go to www.livezoku.com. And there, everybody can uh, find all the information about the concept, about uh, some backgrounds of Mark and myself. Uh, you can see the videos, which uh, what Zoku is all about. And you can sign up for the newsletter, and we will keep you posted about all the developments to come. So that's www.livezoku.com, right? That's correct. All right. Well, you two are delightful. I look forward to being back in Amsterdam and all the other cities you end up in, uh, especially when you get to New York, because I'm there a lot. <laughs> so thank you so much for taking the time. Thank okay. you so much, Carol, for an invitation. Surely. I look forward Bye -bye. to hearing from you soon. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Aren't they terrific? Thank you so much, Hans and Mark. What I want all of you listeners to do is really pay attention, as I said earlier, where they fit within the eight classes or eight phases of a business model. I find them totally intriguing, and I'd love to hear from you. And if you would like to hear more about what we're doing at the Responsible Entrepreneur Institute and on the Responsible Entrepreneur Podcast, please go check out carolsanford.com and look at all of the offerings that we have, all of which are free, and we'll see you again here next time. 